2: Tap the banner to go to monday.com.
3: This is the Court Today replay on C103. A lot to get through on the programme this morning. Uh, coming up, we are going to have the Minister for Older People, Jim Daly joining us on the programme. Now this is to do with a new housing project that has been announced um, for the Dunmanway area and it's a housing project for elderly people. It's an alternative to older people living at home which I think is the ideal what most people want but a lot of older people will admit that they can't live on their own without a little bit of help and a little bit of support. Some will say their homes are too big so they need, there needs to be an alternative. The alternative doesn't always have to be nursing homes so we're going to look at what this project is and, and see will it be replicated to other areas as well uh, around the, the country because obviously if it's going to work in Dunmanway, surely it will be replicated around the country. So we'll chat about that on the programme today. Uh, Gas Networks Ireland are going to be joining us. This is to do with a plan to turn slurry into green energy. And Mitchellstown has been earmarked for this particular project so we'll find out more about it. Anne Hurley, the wonderful wonderful Anne Hurley is going to be joining us from uh, Charleville. Marymount have their big fundraiser, they have their annual big fundraiser, Light Up A Life. I I, I think it's one of these lovely Fundraising campaigns, and it is a moment to reflect and think of those that won't be with us at uh, Christmas, and it's an opportunity, obviously, to support the great work of Mary Mount Hospice at the same time, and Anne, who has been battling cancer now for it's over four years isn't it wasn't it September of 2014 when she was first uh, diagnosed with terminal cancer and what a battler and a fighter and what an amazing woman uh, Anne is and she joins us today to talk about something that I don't think we've spoken we've spoken with her many times but I don't think we've spoken to her about her journey with Mary Montaspis and how Mary Montaspis what the role Mary Montaspis has played in her life since her cancer diagnosis and I think there was a time and I think we're moving away from it where you can talk about hospice and you can talk about going into the hospice and you can talk about using the services of a hospice because for a long while hospice meant death It was the the only time a hospice was mentioned was usually in the end stages of cancer when somebody was dying they went to a hospice or the hospice team came in to the house but of course that's not the case at all lots and lots of people will go into Marymount Hospice and for many years will be attending Marymount Hospice and death is the furthest thing uh, from their mind so we're going to talk with Anne about her journey with uh, Marymount Hospice and people may have noticed, they may have heard Anne on one Of the Marymount Hospice ads that we've been running on on this uh, radio program, where she talks about uh, Marymount Hospice, and actually the first time it went out, I didn't realise that Anne was going to be one of the voices of the Marymount Hospice, and uh, I was listening and I said, "Is that Anne?" Um, And then at the end, it says something. about, you know, you can help people like Anne. I say, God, that's our own Anne. And then, actually, every time it's played, I will inevitably get a text or a WhatsApp in from somebody saying, is that Anne Hurley from Charnival on the Marymount ad? And yes, yes, it is. Uh, so we'll talk with Anne a little bit later on on the programme. And then we'll have a real bit of lightness in the in the studio because the producer-director of this year's Pantomime In the Everyman. It is pantomime time of the year and the producer, director, along with the choreographer, going to be joining us in studio today to talk about Cinderella, this year's pantomime in the Everyman. And it actually opens tomorrow night. So I I imagine the excitement and nerves, I imagine there's a huge amount of nerves the day before you're going on stage for the first time. And then, of course, pantomime has a huge long run and the commitment and the dedication from everybody on the stage. And actually, we spoke about the everyman pantomime only a few weeks ago when we discovered that one of the professional dancers on stage, Molly Ward, from Mallow is in the John Lewis Christmas ad and there was much excitement and actually when we spoke to Molly she was taking time out from rehearsals for Cinderella and pantomime it's I think for for a lot of people particularly I think for a lot of Cork people we associate pantomime with our childhoods from you know for countless generations went to the pantomime went along with their parents and now when you have children of of your own you bring your children to the pantomime there's also families where granny now is bringing the children along to the pantomime or maybe the children are bringing granny along to the pantomime and it's just a wonderful wonderful night out and long long uh, may it last the lights are going on in Skibbereen Town later on this evening and we're going to hook up with them because they are trying to set a record they're hoping to to get the most people together wearing Christmas jumpers. Uh, so we're going to find out a little bit more about that. And if you can do your bit, and there's something special about taking part in something that ultimately could get you into the Guinness Book of Records. We'll be encouraging you to dust off your Christmas jumper and head off to Skibbereen. We'll give you all the details a little bit later on and we will go to the movies uh, with Mark. And I've had a couple of people on by text and I think there was an email in as well just paying reference to this and I I want to acknowledge it for the day that's in it because it's a sad day in many ways. Uh, But the first text in was from Joe to say today marks a sad day in the history of Drina Village. Why the post office, an integral facility for the local community closes its doors for the last day. Why is it, Joe says, that even when the economy is strengthening, rural Ireland seems to suffer yet again? It makes a complete mockery of the current village renewal scheme. The post office will certainly be sorely missed. We wish JC, Mary and family all all the best for the uh, future. And I imagine a lot of people will be popping into Drina Post Office today to wish JC Mary and all the family the very best uh, wishes. Yeah. And it is always a very, very sad day when any business closed down. But I think the post office in particular because there's something about the post office and there's almost a social side to it and the post office particularly if local pensioners use the post office uh, they know everybody they know when somebody doesn't turn up you know they'll be worried if they haven't seen somebody for a couple of weeks alerts can go out to make sure everybody's okay and it's, it's often over the years been the place where you went to for all the news some would say the gossip but we would say all the news so yeah it will absolutely be uh, dearly missed and it goes back again if you are today going into your local post office and you are passing the door of your local post office is there any particular business you could be doing in your post office remember if we the people who live in uh, rural Ireland, if we don't use the services of the post offices, we sadly will see more and more of them closing. So please uh, make sure you use your post office. And coming up to Christmas, obviously, there will be Christmas cards to be posted. Is there anything else you can do, While any other business transaction you can do while you're in the post office? Or can you switch something from a bank to the post office for for example i mean the the obvious one is payments any kind of social welfare payments and i know the department of social welfare over the years or social protection as they're called have been encouraging people you know to get all the payments done through the bank and getting it through the bank it is easier people will say you know it's it's much more convenient to just have the money popped into your account uh, once a week but if you stop and think about it could you go to the post office instead and transfer your payment back to the post office and call into the post office uh, once a week because remember all of the post offices they get paid based on the number of transactions uh, that they do but our, our thoughts going out to everybody in Drina. it will absolutely be a sad day uh, for people who regularly use that uh, post office and somebody else says Patricia great to hear about the Community Air Ambulance and to see and hear that people are fundraising this is the coffee morning we spoke about the Bantry Bay Hotel that's going on this morning but says this texter are the HSE and the government funding it not funding it I hope they are no unfortunately the community air ambulance is as it says on the tin it is funded by the community because I know when it was launched uh, a couple of weeks ago with the base here in Cork actually the base is in North Cork one of the things at the time that the organisers the uh, community the Irish community rapid response that's the group who've secured the funding Uh, They said at the time that they, they now have it, but their big problem now, they will have to hold a number of fundraising initiatives over the coming months to secure the funding to keep the service. And everybody involved accepts that securing the funding to keep the service up and running is going to be a big, big task. But they are confident that people will see and will realise how important this service is and that because of that, they'll support fundraising any fundraising events, they will in any way that they can, they will lend financial support and so, so say all of us. Now yesterday we were talking about drinking and uh, driving and coincidentally yesterday was also the day that the Medical Bureau of Road Safety launched their annual Christmas and New Year Safety Appeal and it was all to do with uh, drinking and driving and Dennis Cusack who is Director of the Medical Bureau of Road Safety and they're the ones that analyse the specimens of blood, urine and breath in alcohol and drug tests they warning or he was warning yesterday that it's difficult to estimate how your body is going to react to the amount of alcohol you drink because that was the big question that was coming in yesterday would I be okay to drive after a pint would I be okay after two glasses of wine what about having a couple of shots of Powers whiskey? would I be okay to drive them according to this and he's an expert one pint of beer or one glass of wine could actually put you over the limit and especially obviously novice and professional drivers because they're at the lower limit of uh, 20 milligrams. And he was explaining that the human body Uh, It works in a certain way. So when we take in drink, we get to handle it in the body and then we've got to get rid of it. One of the difficulties is you've almost got to be an expert in alcohol because beer, wine, spirits, liqueurs, they all have different alcohol concentration. How much you drink, how quickly you drink, whether you mix beer and spirits, whether you've had a meal, what weight you are, are you obese do you have fat cells Um, all has to be taken into uh, consideration when trying to work out how the alcohol is going to pass through your system so obviously the advice they were giving yesterday is the bottom line uh, don't drink and drive but then as we were hearing yesterday it's the day after people are most worried um, about now they've completely dispelled all these over the counter uh, morning after remedies and say rubbish most of them really do not work the advice yesterday was our bodies can only handle and get rid of alcohol so our bodies get rid of the alcohol and they say approximately half a pint or a glass now the glass of wine is the small glass of wine the measure we spoke about uh, yesterday and you calculate it by a half a pint of beer or a glass of wine every hour so the example they use is if you you drink two pints it will take four hours because obviously that's four half pints in two pints so it'll take four hours to get rid of that from your system whereas two glasses of wine that will be out of your system in two uh, hours um, but you know the how many people actually keep tabs of their drink if you're out having you know Christmas parties is the big one the work parties are you actually standing there counting this is my fourth drink this is my fifth drink this is my sixth drink you're not and then you're trying to guess afterwards how many drinks you have so you do really have to be uh, careful the next day breathalysers came up uh, yesterday on the programme, Anthony says the big problem he has noticed is that the handheld breathalysers used by the guardie he claims, are not in line with the tester in the barracks. It means you can be OK, but the inconvenienced cost can be vital, says Anthony. I didn't realise that. So what Anthony is saying is somebody you could get breathalysed on the side of the road. You will fail the breathalyser by the, uh, by the member at your Corner. They then by law must take you to the barracks and then when you get to the barracks and you test it again you're okay. Has that happened to many people? I've, I haven't, I, I don't know how common that is uh, Anthony but thank you. We'll put it out there uh, to see what other people have, have others heard about that or has it happened to you? Well you're bagged on the side of the road by the guards. The guards say you're over the limit. They take you back to the local guard station. You're tested again there and they go, oops no, you're okay you can go home. So let me know if if it's happened to you or if you've heard of it happening to many other people. And someone also by text says the Gardaí are bagging very often around mass time in Ballydesmond on a Sunday morning. This is what came up yesterday that there seems to be a lot of bagging going on on Sunday morning. You do need to be uh, careful. And someone else was talking about priests and priests saying mass and how many would they be over the limit when they've got to take the altar one? And I was saying, surely it's very low alcohol. I don't know what the alcohol level is. But then I was making the point that you could have a priest saying more than one Mass because we know we have a fall off in vocations. Our priests are getting older and we're sharing priests amongst uh, parishes. Texter says, uh, Patricia, on priests saying Mass, the priest in our parish in Ahabolic says five Masses every weekend. He does two on Saturday evening and he does three on Sunday morning. God bless him. Well, there's a busy, busy priest. And then on drug driving, which also came up uh, yesterday. Just wondering, says Catherine. On drug testing, you know, if you're stopped by on Gardaí and they decide to drug test you. I'm on several prescribed meds daily, which will continue for my lifetime. I recently retired, but I did drive for a living. I still drive today, but I wonder if I'm drug tested, where do I uh, stand? Now, I looked into this for you, Catherine, and drivers with medical conditions, this is from the RSA. Drivers with medical conditions should continue to take their prescribed medications in accordance with healthcare advice and medical fitness to drive guidelines. If you're taking prescription or over-the-counter medicines under the advice of your doctor or pharmacist, and as long as these medicines don't impair your driving you have nothing to be concerned about with drug testing. And if you're in any doubt, they suggest pe- speak to your doctor or a pharmacist about your concerns. The only thing I would feel on prescription drugs, uh, Catherine or anybody else listening, that you'd have to be worried about would be, you know, every now and again, you'll get medication where it clearly says do not drive or do not operate heavy machinery. I think then if you're stopped on the side of the road, you may fail a drug test because it clearly states on the medication you shouldn't be driving but I mean if there's nothing on your medication to say that you shouldn't be driving while on these meds then you should be absolutely fine and it's backed up there by the RSA. 1850 333 103 going to take a break and we're back talking with the Minister for Older People, Jim Daly.
2: Court today
4: with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie C 103.
3: This is the Record today replay on C103. And by the way, having mentioned that coffee morning that's on in the Bantry Bay Hotel in Bantry at 11 o'clock this morning for the Irish Community Air Ambulance, I've just been told that there is the annual coffee morning in native Castletown Bear Community Hospital underway as we speak and that's in O'Shea's Bar in Castletown Bear. So if you're in the Castletown Bear area, O'Shea's Bar, uh, please. Now Don Manway has been chosen as a destination for a national demonstrator site to develop a new and innovative model of housing for older people. The news was confirmed this week by the Minister for Older People uh, Jim Daly who joins me uh, with further details. Good morning to you Jim. Good morning. Uh, And you are welcome. Now you've been calling for a new model of housing for older people for certainly as long as you have been Minister for Older People. Is this part of your vision a sort of a, a third option to staying at home or going into a nursing home?
5: It is indeed, yeah. I, I mean, there was some commentary there past about some comments I made in regarding to you know abolishing nursing homes over twenty years. Essentially, what I was saying, and sometimes the the story can read a little bit different, but I believe that there has to be an alternative to nursing home. That at the moment you just have home or nursing home, and that we must need a kind of a step down care facility for people to grow old in. And I also believe very, very fervently that if you create that space, you can prevent an awful, awful lot of people having to go into nursing homes. And I would also, I suppose, challenge the nursing home industry and like to see the nursing home industry evolve more into homely settings. And some are doing that, as an example, in Bruff and County Limerick, of where they have kind of little miniature homes within a, a big wide building with nursing care staff on duty and, and so on. So rather than just the bed and the locker, which is what's available to older people at the moment, I, I really am determined to try and create the front door for older people that they can still have their own front door. They, I believe people can move from their home, and I believe a lot of people have no difficulty in that. Provided they can still have their own front door, so, that's so is, is right it
1: sure. like a
3: retirement village?
5: Of sorts? It is, yeah. I suppose yeah, it is. You could call it a retirement village. You could call it a sheltered housing. What we're promoting in De Manway and proposing to, to do in De Manway, the council have a site there uh, for housing, and uh, we're going to build uh, a model of housing for retired people. Essentially, it doesn't necessarily have to be older people. Some people retire. I suppose we're all getting older anyway. So what defines an older person? But for people who want to retire, who want to move into town, who might be living, you know know. know six miles outside of town in a rural isolated area in a big five bedroom house that they may have difficulty heating they may be feel a bit isolated out there a bit vulnerable out there and want to just move into town where they can walk to a shop and to the church and to the post office so what we're going to do is develop a housing model in demand ways as a national prototype we're going to invest an awful lot of energy and time into the design of this sort of um, collection of houses if you like to make sure that every single room in the house is adapted according to the needs of people as they grow older from the bathroom to the hallway to the, the front door to have everything you know age friendly and we're going to get a lot of input from consultant geriatricians we'll have it from people who have worked with care of the elderly we'll have the best of technology and alarms and systems in these houses that you know if somebody trips or falls that a, a sensor would be broken somebody would get help you know these, these kind of things is, is what we envisage here
3: So it would be for single people and w- would you envisage couples as well moving into a development like this?
5: Oh so absolutely absolutely I mean it will be there for couples or single people there 'll be no uh, difference there that 's up to the people themselves what uh, what position they are in life and uh, but the, we certainly would have a like, you know, what we would also hope to do on the site is you don't just want to create housing bricks and mortar. We want to make sure that there's supports there. So as opposed to trying to send home help, and I know you were covering this, uh, I think, uh, earlier in the week, uh, about the challenges of home help, we're not going to be able to sustain the current model of delivery of home help, where you send home help six miles north for a half an hour and eight miles west for an hour, and that kind of model. So what we want to do is try and bring people together together and have you know, some support on site twenty four hours a day. So I would envisage in this housing development in the Manway that you would have a support worker or a care assistant on duty twenty four hours a day that would give a hand to to older people if they needed assistance going into the bed at night or getting up in the morning or washing or cleaning and, and all of those kind of supports. And also our our I suppose our ambition is to develop a Meals on Wheels hub on the site as well which would be Domanway is a very central town. There's a huge catchment area around Domanway that would take you north into Johnstown, in Shekeela, over into Dreena, Dremelig, you know, all of that area, into Balneen and Eskina. It's a very central area. So my ambition is to develop on-site as well a hub for Meals and Wheels, where we would have a very extensive Meals and Wheels service going out to all the outreach areas of West Cork.
3: Wow. Well, is there a means on wheels there at the moment?
5: There is indeed, there's an yeah. meals on wheels and that's where I got the inspiration from. It's across the road. I've been in and out there to visit it numerous times and they are coming on board with us and we're going to try and build a new, that's our ambition is to build on site here. So it kind of makes the village alive. It brings this village alive, this retirement village, sheltered housing village, demonstrator site, whatever we chose to call it. It brings it to life so that, you know, people who are in these houses can see a bit of movement and life during the day, during the morning and the hub and bob of, of people coming and going to collect meals to deliver them out to the countryside. And, and,
3: and I know it's very much in the planning stage but have you any idea on how many units you would see being built in this unit?
5: I would hope, you know, I suppose if you put a number on it you're holding yourself to it so I, I want to be careful there because obviously the planning process has to happen and I can't dictate how many, but we would be looking at probably 20 or 30 houses would be somewhere around that region would be for a start off uh, in that region, but again I can't be prescriptive, that's the planning authority which is independent of me uh, or anyone in, in, in politics to do that but uh, essentially there are the numbers we'll be looking at and this would be a model that uh, I had a housing conference in Dublin two weeks ago, uh, Vincent Brown uh, hosted a conference, I organised it and brought in a lot of with Damien English, my colleague as well and the Minister for Housing. We brought together all the the, stakeholders in provision of housing for the elderly, those with expertise we brought nursing homeowners, people who are involved in care of the elderly and we're trying to distill down what the ideal model of housing is and we will have that concluded by February and we will have a a prototype that anybody who wants to develop this in any other town or village in Ireland can come and look at what's happening in Demenway and replicate that in the length of the country. That's the ambition.
3: Okay, lots. I can see lots of texts coming in with people saying this is a terrific initiative. Um, Someone says, please tell Jim uh, Daly, whatever he does, make sure that there are two bedrooms in those houses. That will be very important for older people.
5: Yeah, can I, can I be very clear on that? I mean, I don't have any monopoly of wisdom on the right thing to do here and that's why this is a site that will have a lot of collaboration. We will be bringing a lot of people around the table to discuss and talk and that's a very, very valid point that even if it's a single person, they may like their their daughter or son, their niece or whatever to come and stay with them, you know, so of course I think it's very, very important that there be two bed houses, not one bed houses.
3: Mike says the retirement model of Minister Daly is promoting is long, long overdue at the day of the locker and the bed in a nursing home or a community hospital. Uh, is no longer good enough, plain and simple. Uh, Liz says, there's a similar scheme already set up in Roscarbury. Could uh, Jim advise what's the difference between the Dunmanway uh, proposal and the one that's in Roscarbury?
5: Yeah, Roscarbury is a very ideal model, one I've been very uh, intimately involved with at, at different stages and there's a new development going on there at the moment. It's being extended. What has happened in Roscarby is right in the centre of the village of Roscarbury. They have developed, um, I think it's 14 houses for older people to retire in and they're there within walking distance of the post office, of the surgery, of the shop, of the bus stop, of the pub, of, of whatever amenities people need in a very nice village setting. What we're doing is we're adding to that model. I suppose we're taking that model into demand, but we're adding to it. We will have um, on-site supports, which will be a staff member on-site 24 hours a day. And I suppose the housing, we will look at more future models of housing that would be designed more age-friendly, uh, have more technology involved in this housing product um, to ensure safety for older people have uh, more communication tools there you know simple basic like a screen that people can talk to uh, their family and friends very very easily and you know there's lots of good technology that we can use so that would be one part of it and obviously the other difference would be having the supported staff on site and then we will have a Meals and Wheels hub as well which generates activity on the site and keeps it you know alive as well brings this uh, more of a community feel to it but certainly the Ross Carberry model is, is a very good model as well. Yeah
3: and, and I think there are there are some similar type models around the country but you, you the, the this is taking it to another level what you're proposing here
5: it is it is this is kind of I suppose there's an ad hoc models developing but the point I make is that if I went into county hall in the morning if I won the lotto and said I want to invest in probably one of the fastest growing industries in Ireland which is care of the elderly as our population is going to age an awful lot into the future if I said what you know what would I build they have no design agreed they have no ideal model they have no so heretofore all we're doing is building kind of bricks and mortar for older people I want to do more than that I want to make it more of an environment and look at the entire area, every single room to be age friendly, every single uh, you know, um, I suppose facility within that house would be more appropriate to older people and then have the site as well and you know, level smooth with walk areas secure areas for people with dementia all of that kind of thing, there's a lot of um, aspects that we can do better
3: And you know, I, th- I think you touched on it, we have an ageing uh, population we're going to need more and more of these developments all over the country in the coming years
5: we are. I mean, like we could just have the simple plan to build a whole lot more of nursing homes because the number of people over the age of 65 is set to double in the next 20 years and the number of people who will be over the age of 85 in this country is set to treble in the next 20 years. So we could have a plan just to build, you know, 10,000 more nursing home beds. But that's what I'm trying to stop and that's what I'm trying to change. Um, I, I've quoted on numerous occasions and probably have on your show previously, uh, Kilmaley and County Clare, which is a, I think I spoke for the last time I was on your show, which where they have 20 units there for older people and they're in business with about 20, are not in business, but they have, it's a community project they've established with 20 years. And in the 20 years, they have told me that only one person ever has gone into a nursing home from wow. that. One person wow. ever has actually left that house and they have on-site support. You know, they have a, a care worker there 24 hours a day and they, they provide everything that's needed to the older people on-site. So in 20 years, only one person has ever had to leave that and go into a nursing home. Anybody who has died in that 20 years has died on site or in an acute hospital
3: Yeah and people it's just it's allowing people their independence because that's you know when you talk to any older person uh, about their fears about going into a nursing home and you ask them you know what do you most fear and it's got nothing to do with the care or the attention they're Absolutely. going to get it's Absolutely. the independence
6: Absolutely
5: and I keep referring to the front door I think if people have their own front door whatever model you have around that people love to have their own security their own safety their own sense of their own home and you know if you can create a front door uh, that 's really an achievement, and I think that 's not too ambitious. I think we can do that, and that 's the least that our people as we as we grow old and all of us as people deserve as we grow into old age and of course there 'll always be a case for nursing home care but i 'd like to see it evolve the environment i mean nobody is questioning the care people are given and the care workers that are work in nursing homes, but it 's the environment that is in a nursing home it still is too clinical it still is i mean like one of the saddest things i 've ever seen and still see on a regular basis Patricia' is when I, I visit a lot a lot of nursing homes and when you see somebody in their fifties inside the nursing home because they have dementia. like there's something very very wrong with that because they they don't need nursing care they're not physically unwell you know they they, they don't need to be inside of the nursing home in a clinical environment at at 50 years of age we can do so much better for our people and that's the that's the ambition I'm trying to bring and and challenge I suppose the entire system to do that and to come with me on that journey and hopefully the Manway will be a major step forward and if I can create the dream that I have in the Manway and build and they will come I think a lot of the rest of the country will will start moving that way and see it differently.
3: and actually I was reading today there's a Hickory report in, in, um, in a local nursing home and they were saying on the day of the inspection it was a gorgeous summer's day you know I mean, we had some lovely weather this summer and one of the residents wanted to sit outside in, in the sun and it wasn't facilitated and said she was brought and sat beside her bed after lunch uh, and she was left sitting there in a confined space with just another resident sitting out of her bed opposite her and all she wanted to do was get out into the fresh air and I know they, they were saying they were afraid You know, there wasn't a family member to sit with her but I just thought God help her. She wanted to go out and sit in the sunshine as we all did during the summer months and instead you're told no you have to sit by your bed.
5: Yeah. you know, I suppose we I think one of the things that that turned my head thinking about this was I, I turned the thought on a nursing home, a big nursing home development in Dublin as it happened as minister sometime back maybe 12 months ago. And I turned around to the, the the developer, the guy who was building the nursing home and I said what is new and what's going to be innovative and what's the new design of nursing homes of the future. And he said, "Here we probably will have iPads and things like that in it. And I said, no, no we're missing it here. You know, we, we really are missing an opportunity here. We can continue to build the bed and the locker model of you know of an environment we have to be more ambitious than that and I think that's what what prompted me and look to be fair to the staff they do a great job in the environment they're in but they could do such a a better if they had a really really good environment you know I think patients would uh, not patients but residents uh, could actually make more of a home out of these facilities Mm -hmm. than actually the clinical setting environment nurse led that is there at the moment and
3: would have such a better quality of life okay a number of people asking any time frame on this when the development will be up and running
5: yeah it's gonna I mean, it's at its stages of where we're at at the moment is Clued Housing have been, um, I was appointed as the, the partners to, to actually build the Clued Housing
3: body. Great track record.
5: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. They're superb and they're really, really interested in this area that I'm interested in as well and they're working very, very closely with me on it. So they've been appointed by Carr County Council. The site is there. So the next stage is designing it and that's where we're putting a lot of their focus at the moment. I met with um, a number of consultant geriatricians on Monday in CUH and Cork to get in the medical input you know what is the future for older people Uh, it was something very interesting on that and I'm straying off for a moment there but the the consultant geriatricians were telling me last Monday Patricia that uh, they can do a three minute assessment on an older person and they can predict within the next 12 months how many of these people will actually have to go into a nursing home or how many will have to go into a hospital or how many will be perfectly healthy in the community within a three-minute three month, three, minute, three minute assessment. So, you know, we really need to get that expertise out into the community. But look, that's, I suppose, a debate for another day, and I'm straying off the point. You asked me there about the timeline. We're going to get all of these people to give us an input into the design, people who have worked with all the people, people who have designed houses, architects. We talked to men and... Um, Oh, his name escapes me. He's a television architect guy. Um, oh,
3: um...
5: Gannon or Bannon from uh, the Yeah,
3: yeah, Dermot Bannon. Dermot yeah. Bannon. We talk, yeah.
5: yeah, we talked with Dermot Bannon and uh, he's going to come on board and work with us on design, kind of getting, you know, interesting design. We've worked with a lot of the Age Friendly Ireland people, uh, Captain McGuigan and Jackie McGuire, the National leads, and that. We're working with communities who've already done these projects and then work with technology experts as well to make sure we can just do so much that we would get everything right. So that's going to take, you know, I suppose three to four months then it goes to planning. So we would be looking probably 2020 before which is the year after before you would be uh, building in the site
3: Yeah and I think you're right I think I mean get you know get all the expertise in because if you get this model right as you said earlier then it can be replicated this can be the blueprint that you can say look what's happened in Dunmanway this is what works so well and then have it replicated around the country hopefully
5: Absolutely, and it's worth getting it right and it's worth it our older people and ourselves as we all get older deserve that and we can do it for each other. So I think it's it's worth the investment of time, energy and effort at the moment and I'm thrilled that the Manway has been selected as as the site to do this model and I look forward I suppose, to to driving that on and we won't make any delay in it, but we are going to get it right as well. Okay. Sure we've everybody's input. And
3: Jim, just while we have you on the line, is it true that as part of the HSC's winter plan you're going to warn patients, especially the elderly, about the risks of staying in hospital too?
6: Long. Yeah, that is yeah, that
5: was a, a recommendation. Um I commissioned a report there and Minister Harris asked me to do it on delayed discharges in hospitals. And Graham Knowles chaired that committee for me. He's the head of the hospital group in Limerick and West Galway. And basically, one of their recommendations was to promote an awareness campaign about um, how dangerous places hospitals are for older people to be in unnecessarily. And any medical person will tell you that the most dangerous environment for an older, vulnerable person to be is actually in a hospital because of the amount of hospital acquired infections and the lack of mobility, you know, it can set in if you're too long in a hospital bed. So essentially, the effort or the, what we're promoting is that, You know, overstaying time in a hospital really isn't good for any older person or vulnerable person. You're better off out of the hospital the quicker you can for yourself not to be in that environment. It is actually a more dangerous environment a lot than your own home.
3: It, it just sounds bizarre to, to say to people that the least safe place for an elderly person is an acute hospital. It
5: sounds, it, it sounds
3: like there's something wrong. You're thinking, <laughs> why is it the least safe
5: place? I suppose the, the, the end of that sentence is when you don't need to be there. Yeah. yeah. When you don't need well, to be
3: there. But then on the delayed discharges, um, Jim, okay, yeah. there are some people who are delayed discharges and, and families, for whatever reason, and we know family dynamics differ from family to family, but there are some families just don't want to take their loved ones home. But there are also delayed discharges where the people are desperate to get out of that hospital bed but there's nowhere for them to go
5: Absolutely I was in the, talking with the manager of the Matter Hospital in Dublin yesterday and he was telling me that I think 60% of, of his delayed discharges are people who are in hospital over six months you know like the people who need to be in a place like rehab that that's where there's a chronic shortage you know people who have like acquired brain injury and, yeah, and very yeah. serious injuries like that who are in a hospital for a long, long, long time who shouldn't really be in a ho- in an acute hospital setting and there's a chronic shortage of that lack there. So that is one of the issues uh, that has to be addressed from a capacity point of view. Uh, I think transitional care is a great model. I've spoken to a show lots of times we have it in Clonacilty. How is, is that working well? It's working really well. Working yeah. very, very well. Um, I, you had a query in there recently. We were talking about how we're doing up one dedicated ward now for it. Or, um, yeah. And that's going to be where the 14 Transitional care beds will be to, uh, before. That's,
3: th- that's due before Christmas, isn't that's it? That's due to of weeks? be
5: completed. You're right, spot on. By uh, just before Christmas, it will be completed. I think they have just to hang curtains and all that. I was talking with the matron yesterday. Uh, they are about. They're, they're very much progressed on the way there, but they will be ready for Christmas. So here to four those 14 transitional care beds were landed anywhere in its 122 bed hospital in Clonakilty. Um, and they were landed anywhere in different wards. And so sure, some of these people are quite young. I mean, their 40s or 50s that, you know, need just recuperation and putting them in alongside, you know, much older people. So we're doing a dedicated ward up there now where the 14 transitional care beds will be and people will come out to CUH every day of the year and um, will be able to come out and recover and recuperate. And I think I might have spoken to you about some of the families I've met there whose people have come out there and they're just blown away by the care that they're getting in Conakilty Community Hospital. The challenge we got at the start, and, and I suppose I got a lot of kickback when I tried to push this initially. Thank okay. Uh, from management and different people in fairness South of we were positive towards it but lots of people were very sceptical and saying it won't work people will not come out of CUH clonic guilty is, a, is another world to people you know on CUH but of course first of all there's lots of people from West Cork in CUH but secondly uh, people have no problem coming out to, to clinicality when they experience the care that they get there to recover in two to three weeks after operations after surgery after a fracture or whatever they're much much happier recovering in clinicality than they are above in CUH in the and then you, you announced
3: the 550 home care packages as part of the the winter plan are you confident the HSE can provide those packages?
5: We are, we're very confident they did a staffing assessment to see that we have the necessary staff there and I am very confident that they're intensive home care packages so there's a lot, a lot of hours involved in them and a lot of people involved to deliver them Um, but we are very confident that they will uh, be, but they essentially will free up 550 beds inside the hospitals uh, in our acute hospitals over the winter period a lot of work going into the winter planning because we we anticipate massive challenges in the acute sector uh, over the winter that's up ahead, and there's you know a lot of meetings with Lee, Leo Brasker, myself, and Simon Harris, and our officials trying to look after that for the winter ahead and plan as best we can with the HFC and with the Department of Health. Um, and I think we're, we're we're going to make reasonable progress, but it will be a challenging winter. Okay. Season. Well,
3: I know. I mean, the INMO yesterday out about the record set. Over a hundred thousand people have been on charlies this year, and we're not even into December. I mean, you would worry about this at the, about the month of December and then into January and then Ty Daly of Nursing Homes Ireland saying they've had zero engagement with his sector on discharges they have beds
5: Yeah uh, he, well he, no, he can't say so he said zero engagement because I have met Ty numerous times on this very issue of delayed discharges I had a meeting Yeah
3: but I, at, I think he means for the wi- for this current winter plan
5: Right okay well, yeah okay he wants to be on a committee um, which does a meeting on the 26th of November which has passed now the 26th of November so I think they will probably be on that committee that's the ED uh, emergency department emergency um, department planning committee that he wants to be a member of but I met with the NTPF yesterday in the Department of Health, they're the people who provided the funding for the nursing homes, beds all over the country to Ty Daly's members I had a very constructive meeting with them yesterday about that very issue of reutilising the beds that are available, there's about 500 empty beds Ty Daly tells me uh, in the nursing home sector and the private nursing home sector at any given day. So I want to utilise those beds and make sure that we can avail of them and get people out of the acute hospitals again going back to the same point that you know people sh- don't shouldn't, particularly older people shouldn't be in hospital a day longer than they absolutely have to be. They're much better off to be out in a nursing home in a community or ideally of course better off back at home in their own home. That's okay. where we ultimately want to get them.
3: Alright and before I let you go uh, we kicked off the show with a number of people contacting us about this, about the sad news Dreena Post Office, uh, closed. For the last time today, somebody says the heartbeat of Drina Village in the community has been uh, extinguished. Um, a, a sad day for Drina, isn't it?
6: It is, it is. It's a
5: very tough day on a, a small community. Obviously, Drina is my home village, and my brother has the post office there. Uh, on post, uh, the postmasters did a, did a, I suppose a deal really with the, with the on post at the time to offer packages to postmasters around the country if they wanted to take it. Uh, my brother has chosen to do that. That's his, I suppose, his right and his entitlement to do so. If he so chose, um, but for the people of Drina it is a sad day. There's no doubt about it. You're losing a, a very vital service there. Um, it would be ideal, you would say, you look if the government could, you know, fund all of these post offices, make them, you know, viable. But the reality is, these post offices are disappearing because people aren't using them. And the reality that my brother is moving out of the post office is because he can't make a living in there, because people have stopped using him. You know, they're they're using, they're going online, they're getting their money online, and yeah, whatever. They're they're he's the and and look, he's a he re- has family himself, and he has a wife and children to support, and whatever. So, I, you know, we have to respect his decision that he can't make a living there. Postmasters aren't walking away from it for, you know easily. They, they're very, I suppose, acutely aware of the contribution that they, they make to the community and the reliance community have. On their service, but unfortunately, those same state communities have not used the post offices in recent years, and hence they're not in a viable position.
7: Well, it's
3: a cautionary tale for for other people listening. Listen, we leave it there, Jim. Thank you for that. And thanks uh, for for joining us. That is uh, the junior minister for older people, Jim Daly.
4: Cork Today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home, Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Christine was on. Just wants to give a word of warning to people um, if you are heading into the city to do any shopping for uh, Christmas. Uh, she said a lot of people got caught last night in the city. We parked at four fifty, ten 10 to 5 yesterday evening a Paul Street car park. After 5 is free but before 5 is not. A lot of us were happy to pay for uh, for, from for example 4.30 to 5 but it's not the way it works seemingly it's written somewhere in the T's and C's so um, uh, so just to warn people um, about that um, oh, I'm not ready for that yet sorry um, sorry so just to sorry just to warn people uh, about that sorry I'm, I'm a bit confused with, with Christine she got caught for pay parking for the ten minutes, was it? Was it? Was that? I'll have to ask John Paul. I, I I need clarity on that. Okay, um, I'll just need clarity on that. Let me go to um line five because a Corkman, uh, originally from Charleville, uh, is beginning a life sentence for murder. The jury at the Central Criminal Court, sitting in Cork, found Cahal O'Sullivan guilty of murdering Nicola Collins in Farenry last year, and yesterday he received a mandatory life sentence. Our senior reporter Fiona Corkman was in court yesterday. And uh, she joins me. Good morning to you, Fiona. Good morning. Uh, and you are welcome. Just remind us of the awful events that led to the death of Nicola in uh, March of this year.
8: Yes Patricia, and Nicola had met uh, Cahill O'Sullivan um, in 2015, at the end of 2015 at a course um, on effective communication for better relationships and he told us this in the court uh, during the trial and they had formed a relationship and then in 2017, March 2017 on the 23rd of March which was a Thursday, Nicola went over to his flat in uh, Farrenry and um, they spent the weekend in his apartment drinking and um, on in, in the early hours of the 27th of March which was the Monday um, he rang he made a 999 call and the emergency services arrived and found Nicola Collins um in the flat now at that stage she was already dead um and we heard um during the trial of the horrific injuries that she had sustained um, and the, the, the way in which she had been found by the paramedics, she was lying naked on the floor with her legs up in the bed. She had a massive head injury which um, and a subdural hematoma, which was what eventually killed her in the end. And just for people who don't know what that is, it's like a bleeding, um, which is kind of in between the brain and the skull, the bleeding of the membrane. And she had also sustained 125 injuries to her face body torso arms, legs everywhere basically
3: 125
8: um, twenty-five. Twenty-five bruises cuts um My God. all over her body Yeah, uh, she had a fractured jaw cut lip black eyes now uh, while um cahill o'sullivan was giving evidence in the trial he actually had an explanation for virtually every single injury on her body um And he had claimed that while they were in his flat um, over the weekend that Nicola had drank uh, a a lot of cider over the the few days. And he said that um, she was prone to emotional outbursts and that these became quite violent after she had been drinking. And he said that um, during these outbursts, she was um, lunging at him and, and scraping at him and in one instance he said he had put his hand up to defend himself and he had uh, his hand had snapped back and, and hit her in the face um, and caused a uh, black eye and uh, one of her teeth to come loose and uh, cut her lip. And he said that um, that incident he said that it was a, a pure accident, that she didn't mean for it to happen that he didn't mean for it to happen. He said um other injuries with injuries caught, uh, caught in her stomach he said that that was caused by a loose lat on the bed and um, he had said that um, the marks on her neck were caused during a row they had had when he was trying to take a knife off her because he was afraid that she was going to harm him, herself and he had pushed her by the neck to, to get her off him Um and he said that the the head injury that had caused um her final death, he said that um that had been caused by a fall in the bath and she had hit her head off the tap. So he had an explanation for every single injury that she had. But um it was the prosecution's case from the very start that he had beaten her to death and that's why they had charged him with murder and yesterday the jury of eight men and uh, three women agreed with that and found him guilty of murder. Now after he had been found guilty um. The, the court then heard evidence of previous convictions that he had and most shockingly of all was that in 2013 almost to the day, the 27th of November 2013 he appeared at Cork Circle Criminal Court um, uh, on a charge of assault causing serious harm to a previous girlfriend and we heard that in that instance, in April 2013, he had uh, violently assaulted his girlfriend to the extent that her injuries were so bad that she wasn't actually able to leave home for three days to call for help and eventually she managed to get to the Garda station and she was brought to the UH and we heard um, that her injuries were quite similar to the ones suffered by Nicola Collins she had one of these subdural hematoma, she had um, uh, you know a skull fracture, she had cuts and bruises all over her face and body and um Yesterday outside the court, um, Nicola's family, her sister Carly and her father Michael spoke to us and Carly said that, um, you know, questions needed to be raised. Well, she didn't say the questions needed to ra- be raised, but she said for them, they often wonder if he had been sentenced to jail at that time, would he have met Nicola and would Nicola have um, met her? And, the, and that would
3: have been, the. Uh, well, am I right in saying that that would have been the first time the family heard about this? Previous violent um, assault, or well, were they aware of that?
8: They were aware of it, but okay. I suppose they weren't really aware of the full details of that case. Um, and, you know, it was very shocking. It was very shocking for everybody to hear that information yesterday. And the family were very upset in court when they heard it. And, um, you know, at
3: the and time, actually, on, on, on,
8: had three, on, three years suspended prison sentence. So we actually didn't serve any time in yeah. jail for that. Um, okay,
3: and you spoke with um, you spoke with the Collins uh, family yeah. following the sentencing uh, yesterday. Let's just take a listen to some of what uh, Nicola Collins' family had to say yesterday.
7: We're relieved that this person has been put away for a long time, especially in light of what has happened and what the previous conviction as well. And of course, we're, we're relieved in, on both uh, counts. And, and, and the
4: Nicola that you remember, Carly.
7: Um, as I said in the victim impact statement, she was a lovely person and she was portrayed very badly in court. That was very hard for us all, very harrowing and distressing. She was a very funny person and she was she was a very humble and down-to-earth person. She was a lovely person. So how difficult has this
8: trial been for you and family?
4: It, it, it has been a second ordeal to us, mm, been through, It was excruciating to listen to the medical evidence the vilification of Nicholas's character, she was besmirched by this man and he did nothing at all to help her. Even when she was in very bad pain, he did nothing to help well, her. We don't
7: believe he ever was we, going we, to help her. He, we don't believe a lot of what we heard actually on his account of events,
4: really, do we? We, we take cognizance of the fact that this man has a family too.
7: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we, we, yeah. When you heard the evidence of the previous sorry, assault, mm-hmm. and what, we heard, um, what was your reaction to that? <coughs> We knew Horrific. Everything. We already knew, and it was harrowing. And we, our heart goes out to that girl, but she got away, and unfortunately, Nick didn't. You know, and we wish that he'd gotten the sentence at that time, which might have changed things. You know, unfortunately.
1: I just wanted to say about my loss. Was, you know how I feel about losing my my firstborn daughter. You know, she never get to reach her full potential, any potential. You know, she was taken away at the prime of her life she wasn't even 40 when was the last
7: time you were talking to anyone?
1: I was talking to Nicola the day it happened yeah on the Sunday on the Mother's Day that you are sending me flowers for Mother's Day
7: you know the fact now that he's
8: been given a life sentence what's your reaction to that
1: I feel sick I suppose that's just um, a reaction physical reaction you know I'm relieved but I'm quite shocked at his previous convictions as well you know that they weren't addressed, but, you know, just a little sort of prevailing anyway, you know, and uh, please God, Nic- Nicola will be at peace, you know, at long last, you know, and we might try and get on with our lives as best we can.
3: And that was uh, Nicola Collins's mum, uh, Kay, we heard her dad, and uh, we started that piece uh, with her sister, uh, Carly. Um, the one thing, and there was Fiona was speaking with him yesterday, such a dignified family And Fiona, and just to have to sit through what they had to go through. It was like them being put through the murder all over again.
8: Yeah, and you know, it was a long trial, and you know, you heard the father say there that they portrayed Nicola, that Nicola's character was portrayed in a very bad light in court. And you know, when Cahill O'Sullivan was on the stand, he did make some. claims about Nicola and her personality and he had said that, you know, she had issues with alcohol, with food, with self-harm, with self-esteem um, and, you know, kind of came up with a lot of kind of crazy stories about her and, you know, the family had to sit there and listen it's hard to her for as the well family. as all the evidence that was
3: told. That is so, and, and they are the ones who knew Nicola uh, the best. Yeah. How did Cahal O'Sullivan react to the guilty verdict and the life sentence? Did he show yeah.
8: any emotion? None whatsoever. Um, he didn't show any reaction at all, actually. Um, and cause I was looking at him and, um, he, when the, the guilty verdict was read out, like he didn't even flinch. And, um, then when the, the life sentence was given to him, he, he, he showed no remorse, no, no expression or emotion of any kind. Um, now his family were in court yesterday and, um, you know, they they did go over and they spoke to Nicola Collins' family afterwards and um, you know, they, they embraced each other and I, I actually I think like, you know, for them it must have been horrible as well because they were sitting there, this is, you know, son, brother and um you know, it must have been very hard for them to have to sit there and listen to that too. And I think, like, Nicola Collins' family afterwards, you know, as you said, they were so dignified and they didn't really badmouth him in any way. Um, And they said, you know, they were cognizant of the fact that he had a family and that the family were there in court, um, which, you know, like sometimes you kind of wonder what way would you react in that kind of a situation. And I often think that I would have come out saying, like, you know, Thank God he's gone, or whatever. You oh know, no. they didn't do that. They just said that they were relieved that he was in prison now, and um, they, and they the fact that they could even with.
3: think of the other family. I I just thought, what gorgeous, gorgeous people. All right, Uh, John O'Donovan says, I know that this guy got life, but we know that life doesn't mean life in this country. So maybe Mm. as a people, we need a referendum which would state that life means life, a simple yes or no answer. And life behind bars would mean until the person died. Okay. Uh, We leave it there, Fiona. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is our senior news reporter, uh, Fiona Corcoran, on that very, very sad uh, case. we think of Nicola Collins uh, today and her, her family and may Nicola rest in peace Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. can I just do a quick rundown through some texts that came in particularly texts reacting to Jim Daly who we spoke with uh, the Minister for Older People Jim Daly who we spoke to in the last hour and uh, particularly about the housing and the housing model that he's hoping to uh, to start in Damanway and the idea will be, be rolled out in uh, different areas. A couple of people are citing other retirement type villages and sheltered housing type structures that are already in place. And I think having listened to Jim, he's aware of models around the country uh, and they're going to take all of the best from all of those models and, and bring it to this model and put different and added layers to it I mean that's uh, the, because I think everybody's aware there are fantastic uh, sheltered housing around the place uh, for example a listener says Hi Trish, uh, surprised that uh, Jim Daly didn't mention Westgate Foundation Balancholic as he visited there last year they have a wonderful sheltered housing complex there 37 homes, meals on wheel service laundry service, transport for shopping in hospitals, a large uh, and a large number of other their vital services a great CEO a lady by the name of Julie Murphy they do fantastic work and it doesn't get enough recognition for all the work that they do for older people they also have a daycare centre and nursing staff also on site I could go on and on keep up the good uh, work and that comes in from the daughter of a resident so knows only too well uh, what they're talking about and I can't see there's a few other texts coming in from people saying the very same thing and citing other places there was one in Ballymacabre I think somebody sent in uh, a WhatsApp about um, there's no name on this. Hi uh, uh, Patricia, what's Jim Daly on about? There's a wonderful elderly housing in in action for years in Ballymacarbury and it works uh, brilliantly. So, you know, I think what, I think listening to Jim, that's what he's hoping to do is, you know, look at some of the really great facilities that are there and that are uh, around the country and take the best of them and then develop this newer model and um, hopefully then that that model will be replicated around the country. And I also want to say best of luck. A couple of texts came in on this. Best of luck to all those travelling on bus number 18 to Belfast, full of cataract patients this morning. Looking forward to having our loved ones back tomorrow in West Cork with their sight fully restored. Thanks. To Danny Collins in Bantry, who is their carer today on the long journey. That's kind regards from Mary. And Margaret in Bantry says, Hi, Patricia. I want to wish Jerome Scully from Brolin the best of luck and all of the other people from West Cork and Kerry who are on the way to Belfast as we speak for their cataract operations. Well done to Councillor Dan- Danny and Deputy Michael Collins on providing this service for these people Uh, otherwise if they're waiting at home they could go blind I wonder what has Jim Daly any comedies off the line Uh, unfortunately and that's from Margaret from uh, Bantry and just one final one on older people And I'm just not going to name because I I would have to check out the hospital and did the actual thing actually happen? But it's to do with something happening while somebody was in respite. But a listener says the assessments carried out in elderly people is not always perfect, as I know only too well. My mother uh, needed to be put into a home two years. My mother was told my apologies, that she needed to go into a home two years before it was actually needed. My mother was in respite in a West Cork facility and I was told, go away and enjoy yourself. But I happened to pop in, just wanted to check that she was okay. I found her soaking wet sitting on a chair. She'd asked to go to the toilet but was ignored. Oh my God, that's just heartbreaking. The same thing happened in another hospital, uh, in in another facility in the city. That's just heartbreaking and that's when something like that happens your confidence is dented in ever leaving your loved one in uh, respite I mean anyone that has to put someone into respite you go through all of the guilts will they be okay will they be okay Um, and it can be really really you know sometimes you wonder is respite and it is a good thing god I'm not taking away from respite it is a fantastic uh, thing but if you are not a hundred percent or at least ninety nine percent. I don't think we can ever be a hundred percent sure that our loved ones are going to be all right, but you've got to be, you know, at least ninety nine percent sure that your loved one is going to be looked after and it's gonna be okay and like that when they need to go to the toilet and, you know, they say that they need help to go to the toilet that somebody
2: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.
0: When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
2: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves.
3: will be there uh, to facilitate it and they're not left sitting in their own urine soaking wet on a chair I mean, yeah I don't know what you actually did that day my my in, my instant reaction will be to grab my mother and, and and bring her home I don't know if that's what happened with you but I, and I'm sure it's probably dented your confidence when it comes to uh, respite 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103
2: 103 C103 Jobs
3: business manager is wanted for Skibberine, it's a sports and fitness centre, while traffic management operators are required for West Cork and the surrounding areas. Childminder wanted two to three days per week. It's to look after two children in the Minder's home in the Mwieland Newmarket area and a HGV truck driver. Is wanted for delivering fuel to customers in and around the Bandon area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities online now. Just go to C103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
2: Court Today
4: with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie.
3: C103.
2: This is the Court Today replay on C103
3: just got an explanation on that text that came in that confused me or the call that came in that confused me from Christine who was given out about pay parking when she thought it was free in the city. She parked in Paul Street car park and it is free parking from 5 o'clock uh, until close of business which is what 10 o'clock is it for Paul Street uh, and you know it's to encourage people to go to the city and park up your car and you can get some free parking but she parked at 10 to 5 so I thought she was giving out because she had to pay for 10 minutes of parking but what she what she didn't know and what I think a lot of people don't are not aware of because she parked at 10 to 5 she then got charged for all of her parking so I don't know if she stayed there until 8, 9 or even 10 o'clock but she had to pay for all of the parking and Eileen in Ballyporeen said the, she became aware of this and she actually rang the guy in Paul Street car park because she was heading up to Cork last night as well and she asked the guy is it true that if you park before 5 o'clock you you will get parked Charged for the full amount of the parking for the length of the time you were there, and he said, "Yes, that is correct." He says to make to make absolutely sure that it's going to be free. He said, "Do not enter the car park before five past five um, and and Eileen said, "People do, are not aware of this." Uh, so you, so if you want to get avail of the free parking, you need to arrive after the free parking kicks in, which is at five o'clock. Okay, so we give that out to save people some money uh, this Christmas. Now this Sunday, Marymount Hospice will host its annual Light Up A Life event with special guest appearance by Roy Keane, who will be performing the official lighting up of the tree. Well known cancer patient Anne Hurley from Charleville is one of the faces of this year's campaign and uh, Anne joins me. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Patricia. And I spotted such a gorgeous photograph of you in uh, the papers uh, this week. When was that taken? That was taken taken about two weeks ago. It's a fant. It's a fabulous photograph.
9: <laughs> it was a very close close up photograph.
3: Do, uh, do, did you get? Uh, have you seen it in the newspapers? I have the big I one.
9: Yeah, oh, the Examiner was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Yes, yeah, It must be weird to open a newspaper and see that size photograph of yourself in it. It,
9: it was, and I, I didn't realise, you know, that it was going to be on the newspaper, you know. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it's a great cause...
3: Yeah, absolutely. Great. And you're also, on, and I'll play the ad in a minute, you're also on uh, one of the ads that we've been playing here. And funny, every time it goes out, because obviously it just says Anne, it doesn't give your full name, uh, but obviously your voice is, is very recognisable. Every time we play it, we'll inevitably get a call or a text in from somebody saying, is that Anne Hurley from Charnival?" <laughs> and if I keep saying, yes, it is. Now, you were diagnosed in September uh, 2014. I can't believe it's it's four years. Yeah, um, four years. When was the services of Marymount first mentioned to you? Um,
9: In early 2015, because I was told there are two different types of treatment, uh, curative and palliative. Now, my illness was not going to be curable, so I was put under the care of a palliative care team with Marymount Hospice. And, of course, when the hospice was mentioned, I cried my eyes out because I thought, this is it, I'm dying, but nobody's telling me, you know, And um, it took me a while to kind of accept that I was going under hospice
3: care. Because people associate hospices with dying, but they're very much about living and and living your best life.
9: They give you the tools to cope with your illness and to live the best quality of life you can. And I mean, yes, you have the end of life services. Thank God we have that in our vicinity. But what goes on outside of that is absolutely a massive support to any patient who has a, a serious illness, not only cancer, but MS and motor neuron. You know, it's not basically a cancer facility.
3: Can you remember <laughs> your first visit there?
9: Well, my first vi- the palliative care team started coming down to me in Charleville. They cover all of County Cork, from Marymount and parts of uh, Limerick and Kerry. You know, so they have a huge uh, area to cover. And they used to come down to me, and it was more or less that time symptomatic control. But as my disease progressed, progressed, and in the last, uh, we'll say, post-op now and pre-op, I've been attending the hospice itself for uh, breathlessness and fatigue uh, classes, And also the pastoral care is absolutely brilliant up there because talking with other patients and, you know, I thought it was only me. But when you're diagnosed with a terminal illness and it's even like me, basically, a basic thing like buying a pot of moisturising lotion and you're there looking at the moisturising lotion and you're saying to yourself, will I be alive long enough to use the whole pot? You know, well, something as basic as, I know, as, as that. I know. So then you'll go to your loved one, and you're going. I don't know if I'm going to be alive long enough to use this, and they'll automatically say, "Yeah, I could be gone before you, or I'll probably be gone before you, or you could get knocked down tomorrow by bus." Therefore, it shuts the conversation up straight away, so you can't uh, impart what you want to say, how you're, you're you're feeling. Whereas if you go up to Marymount, there's no shut up of your questions you know you can voice your, your fears and they'll listen to you and they'll talk to you and that way you're not upsetting anyone Yeah
3: because I know on the ad you, you, you talk about taking off the mask and, yes. and and anyone that knows you and certainly when we've had you here on the programme before and anyone that meets you out or anyone that follows your your very, very funny uh, Facebook page will know you've got this bright, bubbly and you've always had that bright, bubbly yeah. uh, personality. But there has to be times when you just want to curl up in a corner and go, this is so bloody unfair. Leave me alone.
9: Yeah, there there is, and once you go in the door of Marymount, I can take off this mask of positivity and of the fighting spirit and of the the forced, sometimes good humour, and I can go in and just feel peace and my shoulders slump down and I go, right, I can discuss my real issues now and I can discuss my real feelings and nobody's going to say to you, you're looking so well and, you know... You're a great girl and you're fantastic. They'll only sit down and they will you can talk to other patients, you know, and it's just a total relief to be able to be yourself, allow yourself to have that illness while you're attending Marymount because we cannot allow ourselves to have the illness when we're at home.
1: Yeah,
3: and I suppose it's it's like with any um, disease or condition, you know, there's so many great support groups to be able to speak to somebody who's walking the same journey as you're walking.
9: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I mean, we have a real camaraderie up there with other patients and the crack is mighty, (laughs) you know, it really is now the crack is mighty up there. And of course, PJ loves going down to the restaurant then for his cup of coffee and his beautiful scone. And every staff member from those that are inside the reception when you walk in, you're not a number. You're, good morning, Anne. How are you? Good morning, PJ. You're a name. And unlike a hospital where it's so busy and where you they haven't time to really one-to-one, in Marymount Hospice, you're Anne Hurley or PJ Hurley and family and you're there and you actually need them today, so they're going to talk to you one-to-one.
3: Uh, it's funny, actually, we forget that side of hospice as well. It's only when you talk to, to to people who use the services, the whole family gets looked after. It isn't just the patient that needs the services.
9: Yeah, exactly, because, I mean, the, the whole family become ill by proxy. You know, they take on your illness and I mean, the the bedrooms are gorgeous and it has an extra bed for your loved one if you want them to stay. Not if they want to stay, but if you want them to stay. Yeah. You know, there's a bed there for them. There's, you know, it's just a feeling of being home, but being at home and being taken care of and for your family, for your loved one to hand over that care to somebody more qualified than what they are. yeah, you know, yeah.
7: that's
1: yeah.
9: what Sunday really is is about, I mean, unfortunately Marymount needs 30% donations to keep the facility operating.
3: Yeah, and a lot, an lot of people are not aware of that. A lot of people no, think Marymount Hospice is fully funded by the HSC, and it's not.
9: No, that's why we'll say light up a life now on Sunday is very important and people can donate online or ring up Marymount Hospice to light up a life of a loved one that has passed. I
3: and think I mean, it's, I it's a lovely to thing to do.
9: Yeah, a mass will be set for everybody from, you know, those that have uh lighted, lit up uh, a light on the tree. And as you said, Ray Keen will be lighting the lights. And he's also doing a draw for a car that Ford Ireland has kindly donated. And we'll have the Army Band and we'll have the High Hopes Choir, you know, So it's, and you'll have all the stalls with artisan jewellery and, the, you know, it's just going to be a, a magical day.
3: Are you going yourself?
9: Well, I'm hoping to go for about an hour or so because okay. I'm feeling feeling very, 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 very tired lately. I know,
3: I know. And, I, I, um, I'm sure if you can go, you can go. And if you can't, you can't. All you can do is I have, try.
9: I have to rush back for Tommy dinner. Well, you see, cotel. you see, that's
3: <laughs> what I was next going to come to and say. It's a big night nice because our Tommy is going to be in town. Our and, and, is. and you're looking forward to that. You are? I am. And yeah. my granddaughter,
9: I mean, she says, I don't care in any whether you're tired or not. You promised you're taking me.
3: Ah, oh God! It'll be great. It 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 will really be great. And I have to say one other thing. When I, I I I love your 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 Facebook page is always so funny. And you went quiet on Facebook for a while, and then you came back with a vengeance this week. Yeah. Uh, and you put out a tease to people yeah. who are following you to say, "I've been off Facebook a while because I've taken up a new hobby." And I was thinking, "Oh, what is she after doing now?" <laughs> Tell the world what our Anne Hurley is after <laughs> taking up. I'm after taking up the ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> Why the ukulele, Anne? Well, it's only got
9: four strings. Okay. It's small. Yeah. And it's grand for my little fingers. And uh, it was just one of those, I was passing a shop in Chile and I saw it on the window and I said, you know what? That looks like a nice instrument and it's got a nice sound and it's got a happy sound. You know, the Hawaiian sound. It does. It does. It's got a really happy, happy sound. So I'm learning to play it now and I'm not
3: doing too bad. I, I, well, we'll have, we'll have you in studio in the new year with your ukulele. Actually, you might play us a tune. You never know. You never know. know. Listen, if we don't talk to you this side of Christmas, have a wonderful Christmas. Um, Have a Have a a, a truly special one. And uh, love to PJ and the rest of the family. And as always, uh, thanks for joining us. OK, thanks, Patricia. Good oh, okay, morning bye to Bye-bye, bye-bye. And here is Anne's ad. This was the ad that Anne recorded for uh, Marymount. This just really sums up what Marymount means to Anne.
9: Marymount is
3: not just a
9: place to go when you're ill, but it's a place to go before you get to the stage where you're going to be ill. I think the most important thing you get in here, and it's the most important thing to a terminally ill patient like me, is the sense of peace. You can take off your mask that you can wear every day and be yourself, but it's a place to come to live. They're giving you that quality of life that you long for. The feeling I got when I walked in the door was just, it was just, I've come home. Please continue to help people like Anne. Donate at
2: marymount.ie or come along to the Light Up A Life event at Merrymount Hospice on December 2nd. Light Up A Life.
3: Kindly supported by Ford. There you go, the wonderful Anne Hurley. Now, Christmas wouldn't be complete without a visit to the pantomime. And tomorrow sees the opening night for Cork's favourite traditional family pantomime, Cinderella, at the Everyman. Joining me in studio to discuss this year's pantomime is the producer, Catherine Mahan Buckley, and the choreographer, Robert Foley. Uh, You're very welcome. Good morning to you both. Um, Catherine, what are nerves like the day before opening? absolute hell <laughs>
2: I didn't sleep last night everything goes through your head then you suddenly think oh my god I made loads of mi- I'm after making loads of mistakes I'll never work again I'll never be asked to do something else um, and then you're trying to do the finer points, looking after it. But I suppose for me, I have such a wonderful creative team around me, and they are also so strong and believe in the show, and they want to get their departments ready together, and we're all now working together. The getting week is is pretty tough, yeah, because it is you're you're bringing nine departments. Together, as I what I call mixing the cake and making sure that it's going to be the best cake. And how many on stage? Present. How
3: many in total is involved? Well, oh. oh my
2: goodness me, we have I, we've eight or nine principals, we have four ensemble, we have eight handmaidens on each night, but they alternate. Okay, and then we would have a cast of like we have our four to six year olds, but there'd only be about six of them on each night, okay. but there's about five teams of those. And you know, you when you must remember yeah, you have Just to rehearse the, the yeah. rehearsal point the of you, I'm thinking the of uh, 8 to yeah. 10 then they'd be the same eight, they'd be about 9 9 of them on stage but there's 5 or 6 because obviously they're too yeah. young
3: to have them on, on stage every night Ro- Robert Foley is the is the choreographer are you as nervous or is this just something that Catherine does very well uh,
10: I think I'm quite relaxed actually only because we've got such a great team okay. I really trust in the dancers and I think the Handmaidens have really stepped up uh, our, our ensemble professional dancers are super talented and, and the whole company are and I feel quite relaxed that they're going to deliver a really strong performance, so I'm a little bit more relaxed. But then Catherine's the director, so she um, it all yeah, falls she's in got in her. A head. job. And it's
3: also <laughs> Catherine's 25th pantomime. Have you yeah. done? Have you have you done? Choreograph- this is the first, first one
10: I've choreographed. I, I performed in lots of pantomimes, but this is the first, first one I've choreographed. Yeah.
3: Okay, so was it that your selection, Catherine, to bring Robert on board? Yes,
2: I, I wanted to get, to bring him on board. I, I admire mm-hmm. his work. Um, I suppose we go back a long way. Um, I taught Robert myself, even though I was only two when I was teaching. Is all, that yeah. okay? Yeah. Um And um, uh, he had the talent then. I introduced him really to going to, into that field. And he said, you know, we even discussed it only you know, recently. He said, you know, thank you for that. Because he said, I, I couldn't have pictured my life any other way. Okay. and uh, But I would be very strong about it, that if you're going to go into this business, it has got to. I'm not saying, you know loads of money but you have to be able to live you have to be able to um, be able to eat and have a roof over your head And
3: and it's a cutthroat it's very, 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 yeah. very
2: it's, hard. It's, yeah. it's very, and you know, you must remember as well: you're only um, as good as your last gig, yeah. and that's the that you have to think like that all the time, and you have to make sure that you have all the angles covered, you know. But I suppose you know you're talking about that. I'm 25 years in it, and I have. It's it your brought, 25th pantomime.
3: Am I allowed right? to
2: believe that? 25, and I'll give you an example. I suppose the very first one was was that um, when I was asked to, it was actually my husband introduced to Ted. He said. Um, they were, at the time, every man had a financial difficulty and he said to me, um, would you not think of taking on the panto? And I went, Ted, with what? We've I, I had about 500 pounds inside in the kitty, in my kitty at the time, and I was petrified. And he went, but I'm one of these people, I jump into the Atlantic and then I think I know I have to swim. Yeah. And I have to... I forgot about this. Or a jump. Drone, yeah. you know. And I always remember the very first one, all I wanted was that we could cover our costs and I was afraid to buy a pair of tights or ever and I always wrote New Year's Eve on the first panto Ted was gigging because he was a drummer at the time. I was sitting at home and I poured myself a large gin and tonic and I said, Happy New Year. The world wishes you, Catherine, <laughs> because you're going down the slope."
3: <laughs> and, and you, didn't. I and did, you didn't. I didn't. And, you know, it struck me when, when I was thinking about this last night. You know, 25 years ago, a little 10 year old girl would have gone to the pantomime with her mom and dad. And remembers the excitement. She's now 35 and is possibly bringing her own child right. along. Yeah. I think there's something magical about that. Yeah, thank you. You. Yeah.
2: yeah, and I suppose I suppose I'm very proud to say I have never I've repeated the titles yeah, but I've never repeated the storylines. Is that brilliant? Because I'm very very in tune with, uh, I suppose, what is relevant today. Yeah, what is important today, and even you'll see that unfold in Cinderella. It's a very the storyline is true. It's kept very much to the storyline of Cinderella, but the ugly sisters the, the, and all and of that. And all of that, but there is the cliches of. What's actually happening today and how we can become strong within ourselves, because, you know, with all the technology and everything, we still have very, very fragile human beings out there and particularly even with children. Yeah. And just to be able to see the picture from another angle and saying, what if, what if this happened? What if that happened? You know, and belief in yourself.
3: Yeah. And uh, Robert, what, what is it for you
10: that makes pantomime so special? I think it's a family occasion. I think it brings families together. I think the productions generally cater for young people, for old people. Everyone can get something from it. Uh, there's always a truth and hopefully a little bit of magic for the younger kids, just to make it a bit more special for them. Yeah, uh, and I think that's a really great uh, thing to be able to deliver and see. I, t- I think it's going to be exciting to have an audience in tomorrow, just to see how they react and to see if our work has achieved what we wanted to achieve. Yeah, I'm and sure
3: do, do they laugh at the right
10: place? Yeah, and, and, and we were talking the other day. We were saying like, you know, sometimes they laugh at jokes that you didn't expect to get know, the laugh. So we'll find out tomorrow, you know.
3: And, and you obviously find that as well. You will get what you might get reaction to on Tuesday night. You might get a completely different reaction. Every show's
2: different. Yeah. Every show's different. It's amazing because you're, you, they, I suppose the audience are so involved in it. They drive the show as well. If they're with the, the cast, the caster, they, they, they'll know and they'll get something and they then somebody else will pick up on another area, which is, is very, very important as well. And I, you know, it's what Robert said there. I suppose Christmas is, is very much a family time, but I, I think that adults need to always hold the child within us. We must preserve that. I I know people laugh at me. That's what
3: pantomime does. People
2: laugh at me when I say that. But we all have that child in us and it can be released. I've sat, we've had, um, which we were amazed last year. There was quite a number of our night shows where adults and they were giving it well-o. Like, they were at it. And, you could know, imagine the release of tension. That's yeah. there. They come out, you know, it's better than going to the doctor, getting yeah. the tablets. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there's, there are, there's, there's
3: nothing better than a good belly laugh. Yeah. So you open tomorrow night. That's right. And then it runs until when? Until January the 16th. Yeah, okay. and some of the shows already which we're
2: delighted to say are booked out. Okay,
3: really and good. I know the special family That's there's it. a family price um, on the w- wonderful Wednesdays, isn't is it? Right. If, if people uh, if people are watching the pounds, shillings, and pence, and obviously uh, everymancork.com dot are the box office is uh, Um And are you staying around for the whole lot of us, Robert, or because I know you, you travelled over from Spain? Yeah,
10: I actually head back on Sunday because oh, I, yeah. I teach at the Institute of the Arts Barcelona. Uh, and we're still in term time, so okay. I have to go back and finish the term and get the rest of my work completed. But I'll be then back for Christmas, so I'll be popping in and oh, out to make you? sure that uh, okay. the production's running and keeps, yeah, keeps okay. going.
3: And uh, Catherine, enjoy it. Thank you. I <laughs> <laughs> and I know Thank you. you will. I know you will. I know you will. And um thanks a million for, for um have joined us. I actually just very because um Marymount Hospice, you oh, I was just speaking with Anne Harley here and I did I see I saw you on the ad with your mum right. on my the mom. little video. Your mum lives there. My mum is there, yeah. yeah. My mum has
2: yeah. cancer and um, she's been there now for three years. Yeah. Um and last even yesterday now. And that'll just tell you, you know, that you know that's what my my mum took a slight bad turn yesterday oh. and my Ted had to be up there with her, but last night she bounced back, and it's the wonderful care, the love that she's re- receiving. You know, it's and can I also? Decision. I'd like to wish um, Robert's mom. Robert's right. mom is in.
10: Uh, she's in a care home as well. So, okay. yeah. so we're just going through a bit. Uh, she's struggling with Alzheimer's. Oh, bless. So, you know, Christmas brings around a lot of things. Yeah. But you've got to look at the positivity. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I just
2: want to wish everybody, you know, because uh, everybody that's in, in any form of, I suppose, any form of ha- that they just need loads of love. From Cinderella, we send you our love, happiness, and peace. And may your dreams come
3: true. What a gorgeous message to end on. Thank you both for joining us. You're listening
4: to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
3: Texts and calls coming in. Speaking of pantomimes, says a texter, Aladdin in Davis College, this has been put on by the students. It's brilliant. I was there on Wednesday night, says Mary Amal. I think it's tonight there last night. For that uh, particular pantomime, but any of those pantomimes, I think that that are put on locally are always great fun as well. But nothing beats, I think, a trip to the city for the professional pantomimes. There really is something uh, very special about it. And a WhatsApp in from a listener saying, "Could you tell your listeners spaces is a craft fair on in a Dare Hall in Fromoi tomorrow, which is of course the first of December, and that's the day to Marymount. Oh, that's good because we were taught by Marymount Hospice and the light of a light for Sunday. So if you want to support Marymount Craft Fair a Dare." Hall in from tomorrow, and it is between 12 and uh, 4 o'clock. And uh, we've had notification in from Angarda Shia Corner to say there's a fire at a commercial premises, it's adjacent to the Red Forge. Forge Road near Sunbeam Business Park. Several units of the fire brigade are in attendance and some disruption to traffic is possible and that's from uh, uh, Sergeant Peter Murphy, the emergency response coordinator at Anglesey's guard Station so I would avoid that area. Red Forge Road near Sunbeam Business Park while well, that fire is brought under control and please God everyone will be okay um, and there will be um, no injuries and they'll get the fire under control as quickly as possible. Staying with the city when we're talking about parking in the city Audrey says I think the free parking in town should be from 3 o'clock making it uh, from 5 is uh, pretty late so make it from 3 instead will the powers that be listen only time will tell uh, Audrey but it is from 5 but bear in mind if you go into the car parks as we found out today before 5 then you will be charged for the full amount I would have assumed you just get charged for that part of the hour or at least even at least that they would charge you for one hour parking but as soon as the five o'clock would kick in it would be free from there but it seems that's uh, not uh, the case I've been up uh at uh, CUH a lot as uh, regular listeners will know I've a, I've a, somebody very dear to me is in hospital at the moment and frustrating the, the car park charges at CUH drives me bananas if you're just a minute into the next hour they charge you for an extra hour and by God they know what to charge is it, is it two seventy an hour or something uh, you pay up the they certainly know how to charge but just as a word of warning to anybody who's, it doesn't seem to be as bad on the weekend but when I go up in the I was there on Wednesday afternoon and it took me 35 minutes to get into the car park at uh, CUH. You now, Wednesday was the day we had stormed Diana. And I was already a bit nervous about travelling up with the wind and, and the rain and all of that. And I was thinking, oh God, what's the, what's the car journey going to be like? And actually, a lot of people, I think heeded the warnings of Storm Diana. And there wasn't that much traffic on the road. So I got up there quicker than I normally do. I was up there within, I think I, I pulled up. I, I got into CUH onto the campus you know where you come in by Wilton traffic lights and, and you turn in and it was at 1.40 I left uh, straight after the show so it was at 1.40 and I, I getting in and I saying great you know be extra time to, to spend at the hospital and so I joined a queue of cars not realising that they weren't really moving the car park was full so you were waiting on one car in one car out one car in uh, one car out so one forty, I joined the line of cars And I got my parking ticket at two. Fifteen, So 35 minutes uh, it took me. No, I wasn't the only one. Obviously, there was a a string of cars and there was a parking attended there. I did say to him, it's kind of bananas today. Isn't it all a bit nuts around here? And he says it's like that every day. And I've noted for the, when I go during the week, that it's never been as busy as that. I think I've waited 15 minutes, I think was the longest I'd waited. But 35 minutes, they so need to do something about parking at CUH because it is, they need extra parking and I don't think that I know the campus is full. Uh, I, I don't know how they're going to get around it but it's just very, very frustrating and I was just thinking, if you were trying to get to the hospital for an appointment, I'd have been delayed by a half an hour, I'd have been late going in but I also thought of, can you imagine if you get a call and, you, and you've got a loved one who really isn't well and you're getting the call to come up and see them and it's urgent I mean, would, are there people abandoning cars? I wonder what people would do in, in a situation like that but it's very, very uh, frustrating. Anyway, that's my moan for the week Somebody else is having a bit of a moan saying, I've just seen a band driving through Mill Street with no seatbelt on are, are the guardie exempt from driving I don't think so if it was me or you would you would get three penalty points and a sixty euro fine. I know we've looked at members of Shia Sheikona in the line of duty on a phone because people will often say that they saw a member of Shia Sheikona with a hand, you know, on the phone talking, and they were driving, and they're in the course of their duty, and, and, and it is loud. I don't know. I don't know about about seat belts. Uh, we'll try and find out for you if there's any member of Shia listening, if they can tell us are they exempt? Obviously they're in the guard the car. They're at work. And are, are there, you know, special exemptions because they may need to get out of the car in a hurry? I don't know. I mean, the road Safety Authority would say you always need uh, to be wearing your seatbelt at all times. From a safety point of view, you're, you're protecting yourself more than anything. If There was a sudden stop and you went flying out through the windscreen of the car. And Laura contacted us This is a pretty disgusting one to say. Laura was walking from Mallow's Annabella roundabout, heading towards Cork. So that very busy road. And she came across a flock of crows who were devouring dirty nappies that were hanging out of the dog poo bin. She said they were pulled out all over the place and it was absolutely disgusting. Oh, and there is, I know that stretch of road that Laura is talking about, there is one of those red dog poo bins there and it's great and it's great to see people using them and people bringing their plastic bags with them and cleaning up after their dogs and we have to make things as easy as possible for people. So I think it's the local Tidy Towns group, isn't it, that put up the dog poo bins so that people are not walking. Because you know, people will give out if they're bringing, if there isn't places for them to dump their dog poo. People will say, oh, you know, they might... It might encourage some people to not bother picking it up because they don't want to be carrying their own dog's mess with them while they're off on the walk. They want to get rid of it as quickly as possible. So these dog poo bins are are put in place. But Judging by Laura's call to us, it means that somebody is collecting up dirty nappies and are using the dog poo bins to get rid of their dirty nappies. I mean, who in God's name is doing that? And then to have the crows and crows will do what crows will do. Uh, shocking, absolutely uh, shocking! Thank you for your call. We were talking about post offices closing, and uh, because the sad news that we received today, Drina post office last day for Drina post office, and people in Drina obviously very upset uh, about this. And then I just happened to have Minister Jim Daly on. And it's Minister Jim Daly's brother who is the postmaster there, and and they just can't make uh, they can't make a livelihood out of it, so they have no choice but to to close the post office which then led to the discussion we need to use our post offices particularly the rural ones if we want to see them stay open Ed says Morning Patricia here's another reason why people are not using post offices and he sent me in a copy of a letter that he has just got from his bin provider informing him the letter says we are writing to inform you that from the 1st of January next 2019 payments less than 30 euro in one transaction made through on post pay point will occur an admin fee of 65 cent per transaction please know that this admin fee is levied by On Post Paypoint and not by KWD, which is the recycling company that sent out the letter. To avoid paying this admin fee, you need to make payments of more than €30 in one transaction. And then KWD give alternatives like making the payment online or making the payment over the phone and they give their phone number. So they're directing people away from the post office because of this 65 cent per transaction admin fee. And I'm assuming that's not just affecting KWD recycling, that's affecting anyone who uses the pay point in on post. So be aware of that from the 1st of January next there is an admin cost of 65 cent if you pay under 30 euro. And for people who are on limited budgets and are trying to pay off a little bit of week, 30 euro and over can be a lot of money out of a very limited weekly budget. So that's, I think we're going to end up hearing. That's the first letter we've been given with details of it. But I have a funny feeling, thank you for that, Ed. I have a funny feeling we are going to hear a lot more about that I think that's going to catch a lot more uh, people ok uh, eight, but thank you for for drawing our attention to it 1850 333 diaries we're going to give away some diaries I do by phone John Paul how many diaries have I got four five four I can't see here. four <laughs> ok four alright we've got four diaries now these are these are the get up and go diaries that we spoke about uh, a few weeks ago on the uh, programme when we were rev- rev- reviewing uh, the Get Up and Go di- Diaries for 2019. Because the toy show is on tonight, we have Get Up and Go Diaries for younger people. So there's a sporty one that's really good. I think boys and girls were sporty because there's loads of places in there where they'll pick up tips about training, uh, etc. or where they can make notes about their training. And then there's another one, uh, Get Up and Go, for just for younger people. So we are... We're going to get them away. Doing it today because the toy show is on tonight. and I know all the young people are at school at the moment. So if you have a son or a daughter or a grandchild that you think would like one of these diaries, uh, call us now at 1850 333 103 and we'll take caller 567 and eight to get through to John Paul now and we'll pop one of these diaries in the post you can hang on to it and give them to them at Christmas or you can give them to it as soon as as it arrives but it's a Get Up and Go diaries these are the ones for younger people for 2019 and we have other diaries then that we're holding on to that we'll be giving away maybe next week we might give more of the Get Up and Go diaries away they're full of inspirational quotes and they're bright and they're colourful and they're wonderful and anyone who's ever received one maybe you bought one for yourself or you've given one as a gift, you'll know. They just they always make me smile they, and, and they give you food for thought if you're flicking through them. I love them. I absolutely uh, love them. So get up and go Diaries for younger people, okay. Kind of maybe from 10 up, I don't know what age, start, start using Diaries but certainly the sports one would be for, for young, uh, for teenagers uh, would love them as well. Okay, so John Paul is taking the calls there 1850 333 103 if you would like to win one of those. Get up and go Diaries if it is for yourself or your daughter or perhaps you've got a grandchild that you have in mind
2: The C103 Cork Diary With Cork
3: County
4: Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie
3: Actually we were talking about uh, Dom Meals on Wheels earlier when I was talking with Minister Jim Daly and I've just spotted on the Community Diary that Dom Meals on Wheels will deliver dinners as normal right up to Christmas Eve the 24th of December Recipients can also order a full Christmas Day dinner which they'll deliver to you on Christmas Eve and then you can just pop it in the microwave, pop it in the oven and heat it up. Orders for Christmas Day dinner will be taken up to the 14th of December so you need to put in your order if you don't have anywhere to go this Christmas uh, day to Alma at 0238868110. The Cork Simon... Charity concert is taking place in the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen tonight at half past seven. It features the Bara Men's Choir. Um, and other choirs including Cultist Children with Music, Song and Dance plus a Monster Raffle. A trio of one-act plays will be performed at Tracton Arts and Community Centre in Manan Bridge. That's tonight again Saturday and Sunday. Tickets from PAT 086 192 4 3 7 5. Can Talk Cancer Support Mallow are running a workshop on wills and inheritance, and that's happening today at the La Family Resource Centre. While Castle Magna players are performing their play Big Maggie, that's on tonight. Again, Saturday and Sunday, it's a fundraising event for the local Senior Citizens Club. Starts at 8 each night with tickets 10 euro at the door. Ballanhassic Community Development Association, they're holding a fundraising, Kaylee, in the Marion Hall in Ballanhassic. That's on tonight. Music by Jerry McCarthy dancing from 9.45 to 12.30 and teas will be served. The Inkwell Drama Group, they are presenting a trio of one-act plays. I've just mentioned that. It got mentioned again there. And St. Joseph's Foundation are celebrating their Golden Jubilee this year and to celebrate, they are holding a raffle On December the 13th in aid of Respite Care. Great prizes including a holiday plus spending money. Tickets of €5 available from St. Joseph's Foundation and uh, also available at their indoor market which they're holding on the 7th of December. And a cosy Christmas night in the white country in Imbantir is happening tonight in aid of the Hope Foundation. A night of Christmas music, treats and how to de-stress. Uh, for the Christmas season raffle tonight and tickets available from Mona at the Central Stores in Cantor and Clyde Rovers GAA they're holding their annual lotto Derry Murphy's Bar in Morn Abbey tonight, jackpot €1,500.
2: Court today
4: with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie.
3: C103. And you can stop calling us on our diary giveaway. And our get-up-and-go diaries today have been won by Sophie Sexton in Drumahan. Congratulations, Sophie. Sinead Cashman in Mallow. Deirdre Dunlay in Valley Desmond. And Margaret O'Sullivan in Domanwe. We'll get. Those uh, diaries in the post to you. Congratulations! And we'll have more of the diaries, the adult ones, to give away. We'll be doing those next week. Now the lights have been switched on in Skibbereen Town tonight, and the organisers are trying to break a record by having the most amount of people wearing Christmas jumpers. Sean Murray of Murray Fashions in Skibbereen joins me with more details. Good morning, or good afternoon to you, Sean. It's gone past good twelve. Afternoon. Good afternoon. Yeah, you're welcome. Afternoon. Now, do we know what is the current record for the most amount of people? Standing together with a Christmas jumper on. No, um, I
6: we 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 were on Guinness Book records, and uh, to the best of my knowledge, there there hasn't been one set yet. So um, we're we're just going going ahead anyway. And the parade is on tonight at five o'clock, and we just want as many people to come out um, with the Christmas jumpers on on them, and we'll we'll set a new world record.
3: You could know? <laughs> be the first we're, to set it. What yeah. what passes as a Christmas jumper?
6: Oh sure. Anything, well, any jumper that's bought inside our place, I suppose it's not very <laughs> Main Street, Skiverine, no, anything with a, with a Christmas logo kind of thing, you know, Rudolph or yeah. Santa Baby or whatever, you know. Yeah,
3: and they've become quite popular in recent years. They have,
6: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, they're available everywhere at all different prices. They are, you know, yeah. You know? They are. Yeah, yeah. I
3: mean, there was and, a time when a Fair Isle jumper would have been a would have been a Christmas jumper, but they've kind of taken over since then. have yes, we've,
6: we've, we've moved on... Briskly from that. Have yeah. we? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> will people need to register to say they're there with a the Christmas jumper on, or how will you do the head count?
6: No, we'll we'll be doing, doing the, the organising committee will be uh, doing the head count around the town there. You know. Okay. Um, we just just when the switching on the lights there, we'll be doing kind of a head count there and then. You know.
3: And the parade. You, you see what what's what's in this parade that you speak of at five o'clock.
6: Um, the parade is starting over at the West Cork Hotel with the the ambulance services and all all this kind of thing. And there's um cycle, there'll be Christmas cycle and everything in taking part in it. Well, they're planned to weather permitting anyway, you know. Um, so it will be coming down Island Street, down Bridge Street. It'll be kind of congregating this year on the bridge. The bridge is, uh, has been. Newly done up now with the uh, after-flood the defence and all that. So it's, we have a Christmas tree. That switching on the lights will be on the bridge now in Skibereen. Okay, uh, Not not in the square uh, pre- as in previous years, you know.
3: Okay, so that's something new for for, yeah. the, for this year.
6: Yeah, so be congr- we're closing off the road there um, by Thornhill's corner there. And uh, people can just congregate there and there'll be food stalls and... Uh, Christmas trailers and all this kind of thing with foods and snacks available as well there, you know. So, all right, so you we're make, just trying to create, create kind of a Christmas carnival. Yeah, making it a little, bit, a,
3: a little bit festive.
6: Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, and then
3: the lights themselves, have you a time for the actual switching on?
6: The parade, the parade is starting at five, so that generally takes about 15 minutes to come down, so I'll be switching on once San, Santi and Mr. Claus get a, um, come off the the uh, fire brigade, um, they'll be switching it on then. So I'd say uh, Around 20 or a quarter to six, kind of thing. Okay. Or, sorry, about quarter past five, half five, yeah. Terrible.
3: And is there a festive atmosphere building in Skibbereen already?
6: Oh, there is. Town, town is looking great. I'm sure every 99% of businesses have their Christmas decorations and windows out now and everything, you know. And the Christmas, the Christmas um, lights are just up all over town, ready to go. And business, businesses are, it, it, you know, it started there last weekend there with the Black Friday, so to speak, Black Friday weekend, you know. And uh, I think things have been tipping away nicely since, you know.
3: And shopping local um, is just, oh. Sean, more important than ever.
6: Oh, it is, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, shopping local—that you know, I mean, it's it. Just in case people are under the influence, that these parades and all this kind of thing uh, are organized or happen by themselves, they don't, you know. We're, there's a working committee, on, on we're all business people, and any, anybody that's on the committee is organising these things like what we do throughout the year as well, you know, like Paddy's Day Parade and all that. But, the, you know, people think these things happen, but they have to businesses around towns have to be supported, you know, by And there's only one way to support them and that's the kind of shopping locally in the town, you know.
3: Yeah, and and there's no point after when a shop closes down on, on a main street and everyone bemoans the fact that the shop is gone or the local corner shop is gone. But like if you haven't used it, Oh, exactly. It's your, you yes. know, it's, it, we're all to blame when a business yeah. in a small area closes down. We all, you know, we have to. And it's, yeah. it's just, and I think it, particularly at Christmas, this run, you know, everyone buys extra at this time of year. And it's um, it's it's more, it's so important because for a lot of the smaller businesses, this can be make or break for the lean months that will come oh, in, the, in the new year.
6: Exactly. February, March are quite, quite in a lot of businesses. Um, but, you know, really... Shopping, it's down to kind of shopping local, and people have to think before they click, you know, on yeah. the computer, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because um, yeah, th- we're lucky here in Skibbereen. There isn't too many places have closed. Um, there's maybe two or, two or three vacant shops around the town, you know. But please God, they'll be they'll be filled up again. Um, one shop closed due to retirement and this everything, you know. But um, yeah, people, you know. It, it, they have to think before they click, really, you know, yeah. and uh, get get back on the streets and support local, you know.
3: So you have fabulous because fashions for Christmas in, in Murray's, do you? Oh, we do.
6: Yeah. It's Shaw, Shaw Murray fashions and Lady M's upstairs. Yeah, okay. we do la- ladies and lingerie as well. Well, we, oh, where, we, where
3: we all know the lingerie, and we all know you when it comes to <laughs> records. Has your yeah. records for opening the most bras in one minute is that still in place?
6: Oh it is of course yeah I'm a hard man to beat you know? <laughs> 90, we, we broke that record in, back in 2013 It's 91 brads opened with one hand in one minute
3: and yeah. it hasn't been beaten
6: it hasn't been beaten no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> I'm a fast man you know
3: <laughs> listen enjoy this evening because I I, I, love, I think the switching on the lights is always a magical time for the kids as well it's, it's, Here, a, yeah, it's a special time the weather is
6: good and and uh, it's great to get the kids and everybody out and you know on the streets. As I said, there's there's food stalls and a bit of a carnival atmosphere after, you know. Okay, all so. right. The fellows might even have a pint after once. Yeah, you never know.
3: You never, never know. And, and walk home safely. Exactly. Listen, thanks a million, Sean. Uh, pleasure as always to talk to you. And uh, happy Christmas Likewise. to everybody in Skibbereen. God bless. Happy take Thank care. Bye bye, Sean Murray of Murray Fashions. Head to Skibbereen from five o'clock this evening. And if you have a Christmas jumper, can you put it on, please? It's lovely. I love the idea of getting involved in a Guinness Book of Records uh, attempt. Eighteen fifty-three-three-three-one-zero-three. We're going to take a break, and we are. Back with Mark Malone.
2: Court Today.
4: With Breedhaven nursing home mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie.
2: C103.
3: This is the Court Today replay on C103. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins us in studio. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you're very welcome. Um okay, uh, you went to the movies, you went to see Robin Hood, and, and on DVD, it's the parents' guide to Hotel Transylvania. We have a trailer. For Robin Hood.
4: You wanted to steal. I'm going to show you how. Where else you go? One thing keeps the sheriff
10: in power: the money. I want to hit the treasury itself. Set up a meeting. Everyone is with us.
7: Rob, how did you know
4: it was me? You call that a disguise? Well, I fooled everybody else. This is
2: suicide. The danger is what makes it fun.
7: Can't you see you inspire the people? This is our crusade!
4: There are too many of them. What, for you and me? There's not enough. A thousand pounds for the man who brings me on! This is not going
3: to end well. Okay, this is Robin Hood, and looking down through the cast, like all the names Robin of Loxley, Little John, the Sheriff of Nottingham, Marion is there, Friar Tuck. A- another Robin Hood movie.
11: Another one, yeah, Cole Love a Duck, one of uh, those ones. Yeah. I like Rob. Yeah, actually, they call him Rob. Ro- oh, they're there, okay. I like, I like Rob. All right. Meow, 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 meow. But it's set back in... It's set
3: back in... Oh, it's in the 1300s,
11: yeah. Yeah, yeah but you wouldn't believe but, it when you watch this thing. Yeah. Because it's got all modern wars, it's got modern language, it's got modern dress, it's got modern this.
3: Oh, it's got modern dresses. as no, well.
11: No, yeah, but not de- deliberately, I don't think. I think they just oh. didn't have a clue what they were doing. Okay. You know what I mean? They well, they wanted something that was all... <laughs> sound effects and, yeah. and, and special effects and CGI... <laughs> Errol Flynn's looking down, going, "This is nothing like I made." I can <laughs> tell you that.
3: All right, the other one that was out, um, "The Everything I Do, I Do for You." That one. Um, yeah, a few years ago. Yeah, yeah with um, Kevin the, Costner. The, yeah, yeah, that was
11: before. That wasn't very good either, really. Was, was it? Not? No, <laughs> Alan, Alan Rickman was the best thing in that. Uh, we had one a couple of years ago with uh, Russell Crowe with yeah. that with that funny accent, which yeah. was like a hybrid of kind of Irish and Scottish and yeah, English and German. You know? It was uh, yeah. off. Oh, it was all right though. It was much better than this nonsense, though. I can tell you that. So, um, Taron Egerton young little term, uh plays Robin of Loxley. When we first meet him, he is... Um he is at war. He's fighting in the Crusades. And they've got all like flak jackets on. So they, they actually look like uh, marines. It's just ridiculous. The have modern haircuts. He's got a lovely little comb over. And uh, they're fighting against the, the local Muslims who are incredibly well uh, kind of weaponized with these incredible weapons that fire like 50 arrows at them at one time. And there's a scene where um, uh, Taranagatan at one stage is standing behind this pillar. And the pillar is getting destroyed by all of these um, uh, arrows in slow motion. And it's the, the Matrix. You know. Yeah. So you have to keep... So so keep that in mind this is what they're trying to do so there's an awful lot of slow motion kind of action and there's a lot of CGI so it's kind of a very modern kind of remake of uh, what is uh, an but old story but it is historically not correct not in any way shape or form uh, so he meets Jamie Foxx he saves his life Jamie Foxx is uh, a local moor and so Jamie decides to come back uh, to England uh, with Taron and when Taron arrives back in England he finds out even though Taron looks about 14 uh, apparently the uh, sheriff of Nottingham has taken all his land and he goes oh, oh god so anyway and um, he's not best pleased with that. But then, of course, his first next thought is the lovely maid, Marion, uh, his bird. So he wants to find out where exactly she is. So he goes to find her and he does find her. But he finds her in the arms of another man. But not just any man. He finds her in the arms of Christian Grey.
3: Oh, <laughs> Is it Christian Grey? It's Jamie
11: Dorn in him, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so he's a bit kind of depressed by that and he goes, oh. So Jamie Foxx says, look, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll get back at the Sheriff of Nottingham. We'll steal all his money. I'll train you. I will turn you into just the most amazing soldier, um, robber, thief, um, um, archer. Of uh, You know, I can train you. So there's this big kind of long montage, this kind of teacher pupil montage as he starts to show and, and teach him how what an amazing archer he can become. Also he's wearing sweater from top top shop, lovely little sweaters that they're wearing. So it's almost like the director, uh, on a number of occasions throughout the film, they've has just gone, I don't care. Just and this
3: it. Can we just? This isn't a comedy. There is this wasn't. It, it takes
11: itself incredibly seriously, yeah. which is one of the problems yeah, with
3: It isn't pitched as a comedy.
11: Just to let people know. Well, this is it. I mean, if it didn't take it so seriously, you might actually enjoy it a lot more. So then uh, he, he he hears uh, Maid Marian, who, by the way, is played um, by um, Eve, Eve Hewson. Eve Hewson, who's Bono's, Bono's daughter. Daughter, yeah, yeah. it's very wow. pretty. She yeah. can't act which is very pretty and oh, he overhears can't her act. Well, okay he, he overhears her at one stage now I don't know what um, Irish women in the 30th century sounded like but I don't think they had D4 accents somehow but apparently this one does so she says wouldn't it be great you know if um, whoever's stealing all this money would give it to the poor rather than keep it for themselves so he <laughs> thinks oh that's a good idea that's what I'll do I'll give it to the poor so he goes off and gives it to the poor uh, which drives of course the Sheriff of Nottingham crazy who's played by Ben Mendelsohn But it makes
3: Marion fall in love with Robin
11: so um, Ben Mendelsohn is kind of your bad guy for hire in Hollywood at the moment. He plays bad guy. He played the bad guy in uh, Ready Player One, and he played the, the bad guy in the Rogue One, the Star Wars movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and he obviously decided to take the outfit that he had in the Star Wars movie and, so and to wear it again. Yeah, so he obviously went to the director and said, "Do you mind if I wear this?" And the director said, "Yeah, I don't care. Go on, get on with it. Do whatever you want. I'm just getting paid. I don't care. We're going to just throw everything at, uh, at people. And you know, they, obviously they think that people who go to the movies are complete morons and idiots. Anyway, so the sheriff of Nottingham. And gets more and more angry and you know as he's getting angrier and angrier and as you know that Ben Mendelsohn is beginning to chew the scenery you know that he's channeling Alan Rickman in Prince of Thieves you know he is and at one stage he crashes through a door and you expect him to go cancel Christmas yeah. but he doesn't do it which is okay. a, a terrible shame um, do you know what it reminded me of the Michael Fassbender film a couple of years ago called Assassin's Creed and yeah. that was a uh, bomb as well that was a disaster as well that was based on a, a game and uh, on a video game and And obviously they didn't learn from that. And obviously this is what they decided to recreate again. And that's what this is. This is video game movie making. And how is it going down? Oh, it's a complete disaster. Oh, um, I said, okay. yeah. to uh, hundred million to make. It's only taken worldwide about twenty-five million. So Whoa. it has been a disaster. So it's not just me, you know, it's been hated by the critics, it's been hated by by you know the 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 public haven't gone either. You know, as I say, if it didn't take itself so seriously, it might have been. But what I've basically told you is the first twenty minutes there of the film, by the way. I looked at my watch and I realized there's another hour and a half to go. And there's an awful lot of hour and a half of just terrible action scenes, CGI action scenes. There's a scene where he dives through the air and whilst he's doing it in slow motion. Motion, he's pulling arrows out of his
3: what, would you, what do you call that what do you call that thing with uh, the arrows in again bow and uh, no, well it is the bow the no anyway I mean, yeah. he's, he's pulling the container out for the
11: arrows <laughs> and he's going in slow motion you just go oh dear me it is terrible it is awful oh that's a pity and it is a pity yeah but it's a great
3: the actual story of Robin Hood is a great story it is a great story yeah but do it properly come on guys you know what I mean okay
11: market it ten uh, I don't know. Tim Minchin is in it, and he plays Friar
3: Tuck, and he was quite, oh. quite good. So I'll give him two marks out of ten. Two out of ten, just yeah. for Friar Tuck. Okay, and that's uh, in the movies at the moment, Robin Hood. Now, on DVD and streaming, Parents Guide to Hotel Transylvania. But I give
11: Jump All the Wrong Link. It's actually uh, Transylvania 3, A Monster Vacation, oh, okay. is what it is. But it's, look, it's one of the Hans- Hotel Transylvania films. Uh, there are, it's the, pretty much the same cast in all three of them. I think the first one came out around 2010,
3: 2011. Yeah, yeah. I've. I think I saw the first one. I'm looking at the, you know, the little pictures I have of it here. I've definitely seen one of them.
11: Yeah, I went to the cinema with that with my little girl at that time. She was about ten or eleven, and uh, so we saw the first one in the cinema. I think we saw the second one in DVD. Yeah. And this one, she kind, of <laughs> she's eighteen now, and she went, Dad, Dad no, I leave it to you. I've grown, I'm, I've, grown out of this. And do you know what I missed? I missed a giggling teenager and a little girl next to me. That's what I missed. You know, yeah. What I mean? So I felt odd as a, as a grown man watching it. That doesn't mean to say I didn't enjoy it. I mean, when you consider that it is the third one it should be way, way worse, you know. Adam Sandler plays uh, the character of Dracula in this. and um, he Which he
3: has in all of them. Well, yes, exactly, yeah.
11: yeah. And he's a bit stressed out. And so his daughter, Mavis, played by Selena Gomez, says, look, I'm going to take you on a cruise, a monster cruise, so that, uh, you know, you can relax. And whilst he's there, he falls in love with this woman who turns out to be part of the Van Helsing family who hates monsters. And you would think that by the time you get to the third one, it's going to be awful. It's actually not that bad. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of slapstick. It's very good goofy. The standard of the animation is extraordinary. I mean, it really is. Um, there's a lot of bodily function humour, as you would expect in a lot of these movies and it's still kind of funny. And I laughed on a number of occasions, I have to admit, but as I say, it's better for families. It's better for parents if you've got a giggling pair of kids next you. Yeah. And, I, and I kind of, kind of miss that. But yeah, I thought it was kind of entertaining and, you know,
3: Okay, and it's and you can get that. It's on DVD. Market yeah. out of 10? I still give it a good six. Six out of 10. It's okay, way better better than what's Robin it Because I've got the name wrong.
11: Hotel Transylvania 3, a monster vacation.
3: Okay, and uh, thank you to D. Ingoline and a couple of other texts. It's a quiver for your hours. quiver, thank you, yes. So go put your hours in your quiver, <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay, thank you for that. Cheers. That's Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. This is the Court
1: Today replay
3: on C103. Lots of emails in asking me to mention things that are happening. So let me see if I can get through some of these. Kilshanig Ladies Football Club, they've got a fundraising table quiz that is on tomorrow night in the Gertrude Inn at nine. Tables of four, 40 euro. Great night guaranteed. St. Mary's Parish Church in Lep. We mentioned this during the week. Uh, they are having Father Liam Lawton in concert. That is happening tomorrow night and it's in aid. Oh, sorry. It's on Sunday night, December the 2nd. It's in aid of the roof Replacement Fund and Father Lean will be supported by a local choir. Uh, tomorrow sees the switching on of the Christmas lights in Mallow Town. Uh, there's entertainment throughout the day and the lights will be switched on by members of the COPE Foundation with help from Pat Hayes, President of M- uh, Mallow Chamber and that will be at half four tomorrow and following the ceremony the Rotary Christmas tree lights will be switched on in St Mary's Church. That's in Mallow and It is promises to be a busy day in Mallow with fun for all of the family. And tomorrow is also the 1st of December. It is World AIDS Day and a special run in conjunction with Balancholic Park Run uh, will be held. It's been organised by the sexualwellbeing.ie in Healthy Ireland and they're looking for people to turn up. It is a free 5k run in Balancholic Regional Park and it kicks off tomorrow morning at Uh, uh, 9.30 in the morning. You can get more details on sexualhealthcentre.com but tomorrow is World AIDS Day. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. If you are heading out shopping this weekend, remember please do shop local. We'll be back with you on Monday morning at at 10 o'clock. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and uh, thanks to John Paul McNamara who has produced the programme all week until Monday at 10. I'm Patricia. Have a lovely weekend.
1: Court today
4: with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie.
2: C103.